We have an interesting relationship with time as Christians, don't we? We normally order our days and weeks into years, and we start every year on this day, January 1st. But as Christians, we have a different orientation. Many churches, uh, many church traditions, including our own, have a liturgical tradition, which means we order our calendars not by simply days and weeks and years, but actually God's story, God's mission to the world through Jesus Christ, God's inbreaking into the world through his incarnation, his passion, his resurrection, his ascension. This is our orientation as Christians. You see, the kingdom of God reorients all of life. Amen? So, the poinsettias, the Christmas greenery, um, the trees, these are not out of place this morning. While it is a happy new year, it is the first, of, first day of 2017, it is also still Christmas. So, a very Merry Christmas to you as well. And in light of this tension that we live in, this, as the Greeks called it, chronos, chronological time that we live in, past, present, future, day after day that we experience. We also have this kairos, this opportune moment, this season, this inbreaking. The Greeks called it this supreme moment. And in many churches, specifically in the Eastern traditions, the liturgy where we are this morning is actually a commingling of the daily and the eternal. In the liturgy, we are wrapped up in eternity, in God's time, Kairos time. So this year, I want to shake things up a little bit for your New Year's resolutions. Anybody have a New Year's resolution that you've thought about this year? Um, not very many people. I, I, the older we get, maybe the fewer resolutions we make, I've heard. Um, but instead of doing something, doing more of something this year, or doing less of something, as the case may be, uh, depending on who you are. Probably, I have a few of those things I'd like to do less of. Or instead of being more of someone this year, someone you aspire to be, I'm asking us to live in this tension more this year. This tension of God's time, this kairos and our time, this chronos that we experience. I'm asking us to reflect on God's story as the orienting principle, the true north, our compass this year, and to really see our story as we live day by day in light of this story of the church calendar, his birth at Christmas, his baptism that we'll celebrate next week, and that our baptisms are renewed in Christ. Again, his passion, his crucifixion, that God, out of his great love for us, suffered that we might be freed from sin and reconciled to the Father, that we would be embraced by God himself, filled with his Spirit through Jesus Christ, that we would see our lives in light of this story this year. All right, so how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to start today with something very old that I hope will produce some new things in us. We're going to do something a little different in light of this tension that we live in, this time now, New Year's, but also God's time, this, this season 
uh, God's story in breaking into the world. 1,600 years ago, a young priest named John uh, preached what has become known as the most famous Christmas sermon in church history. You may know him. He, he's a doctor of the church, and so he's fairly well known as St. John Chrysostom. Chrysostom means the golden mouth. He was known as probably the greatest preacher in antiquity. And his sermon is really just a reflection on God's story, on the incarnation of the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. So how are we going to inhabit God's story this year? I think it's going to be two things. It's going to be reflection on God's story, meditating on what He has done for us, and then not trying to well something up in ourselves, but simply receiving and meditating on what God has done for us, and being filled with the power of His love as demonstrated in the Nativity, on the cross, in conquering the grave, in rising again, in meditating on those things, being filled with His Spirit, and then after reflection, in action, going out into the world as a carrier of His presence. So we're going to take... Uh, a few minutes this morning, and I say a few minutes because while this sermon that John preached, St. John preached, is very deep, I want to warn you that, uh, like a fine wine or, if you're a meat eater, a filet mignon, this sermon is to be savored, chewed on, and reflected upon. Uh, the language is somewhat ornate, it's deeply theological, uh, However, it is short. So if we'll make a deal this morning, uh, if you, in response, in, in being receptive to the preached word this morning, can bear with me uh, in some, of again, flowery, deep language, uh, I will get us out before our brothers and sisters in the Baptist church. Amen? Um, <laughs> I want you to look for three themes that are woven through this beautiful uh, reflection on the mystery and beauty of the incarnation. Three themes. One, the incarnation itself. Okay, the incarnation is not simply God becoming human, but get this distinction. God, while maintaining his full divinity, inhabiting humanity in our flesh through Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary. Incredible, the incarnation. Secondly, I want you to look for the intersection of the natural and the heavenly realms. Okay, this intersection. The, the incarnation points to this great truth, that heaven and earth are not so far apart after all. In Jesus Christ, we see heaven flooding earth. A foretaste of God's kingdom come, what? On earth as it is in heaven. So secondly, I want you to look for the intersection of heaven and earth. Thirdly, in the sermon, I want you to look for, uh, and this is something we don't talk about as Western Christians very much. I want you to look for the theme of our glorification. We talk about glorifying God, but in Scripture, as human beings, we are called to be glorified in Christ. What does that mean? 
We are called to not just be better people or more morally refined creatures. We are called to nothing less than to image the Godhead, the imago dei. We are to become like God. Not become God. We are to become like God through our union with Christ, who is united to us in the flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit, to become like God. How's that for a New Year's resolution? What's your resolution this year? I'm going to become like God. The only way we're going to do this is by leaning into and experiencing and inhabiting the story of God's mission to the world through Jesus Christ, which we tell, God willing, every Sunday here at Holy Cross. This year, we are called to inhabit this story, to be transformed by his spirit, and to be made like him in his image. So now, for the next few minutes, please uh, hear and listen with faith to the words of St. John Chrysostom's Christmas homily. Behold, a new and wondrous mystery. My ears resound to the shepherd's song, piping no soft melody, but chanting full forth a heavenly hymn. The angels sing, the archangels blend their voice in harmony, the cherubim hymn their joyful praise, the seraphim exalt his glory, all join to praise this holy feast, beholding the Godhead here on earth and man in heaven. He who is above, now for our redemption, dwells here below. And he that was lowly by, is by divine nature raised. Bethlehem this day resembles heaven. Hearing from the stars the singing of angelic voices and in the place of the sun enfolds within itself on every side the sun of justice. And ask not how. For where God wills, the order of nature yields. For he willed, he had the power, he descended, he redeemed. All things yielded in obedience to God. On that day, he who is, is born. And he who is becomes what he was not. For when he was God, he became man, yet not departing from the Godhead that he is. And so the kings have come, and they have seen the heavenly king that has come upon the earth, not bringing with him angels, nor archangels, nor thrones, nor dominations, nor powers, nor principalities, but treading a new and solitary path. He has come forth from a spotless womb. Since this heavenly birth cannot be described, neither does his coming amongst us in these days permit us of too curious scrutiny. Though I know that a virgin this day gave birth, and I believe that God has begotten before all time, that God was begotten before all time, yet the manner of this generation I have learned to venerate in silence. And I accept that this is not to be probed too curiously with wordy speech. For with God we look not for the order of nature, but rest our faith in the power of him who works. What shall I say to you? What shall I tell you? I behold, 
a mother who has brought forth. I see a child come to this light by birth. The manner of his conception I cannot comprehend. Nature here rested while the will of God labored. Oh, ineffable grace. The only begotten who is before all ages, who cannot be touched or be perceived, who is simple without body, has now put on my body that is visible and liable to corruption. For what reason? That coming amongst us he may teach us, and teaching lead us by the hand to the things that men cannot see. For since men believe that the eyes are more trustworthy than the ears, they doubt of that which they do not see. And so he has deigned to show himself in bodily presence that he may remove all doubt. Christ, finding the holy body and soul of the virgin, builds for himself a living temple. And as he had willed, formed there a man from the virgin. And putting him on, this day came forth unashamed of the lowliness of our nature. For it was to him no lowering to put on what he himself had made. Let that handiwork be forever glorified, which became the cloak of its own creator. For as in the first creation of flesh, man could not be made before the clay had come into his hand, so neither could this corruptible body be glorified until it had first become the garment of its maker. What shall I say? And how shall I describe this birth to you? For this wonder fills me with astonishment. The ancient of days has become an infant. He who sits upon the sublime and heavenly throne now lies in a manger. And he who cannot be touched, who is simple without complexity and incorporeal, now lies subject to the hands of men. He who has broken the bonds of sinners is now bond by an infant's bands. But he has decreed that ignominy shall become honor, infamy be clothed with glory, and total humiliation the measure of his goodness. For this he assumed my body, that I may become capable of his word. Taking my flesh, he gives me his spirit, and so he bestowing and I receiving, he prepares for me the treasure of life. He takes my flesh to sanctify me. He gives me his spirit that he may save me. Come then, let us observe the feast. Truly wondrous is the whole chronicle of the nativity. For this day the ancient slavery is ended. The devil confounded. The demons take to flight. The power of death is broken. Paradise is unlocked. The curse is taken away. Sin is removed from us. Air driven out. Truth has been brought back. A heavenly way of life has been implanted on the earth. Angels communicate with men without fear, and men now hold speech with angels. Why is this? 
Because God is now on earth and man in heaven. On every side, all things commingle. He became flesh. He did not become God. He was God. Wherefore, he became flesh so that he whom heaven did not contain, a manger would this day receive. He was placed in a manger so that he by whom all things are nourished may receive an infant's food from his virgin mother. So the father of all ages, as an infant at the breast, nestles in the virginal arms that the magi may more easily see him. Since this day the Magi too have come and made a beginning of withstanding tyranny, and the heavens give glory as the Lord is revealed by a star. To him then, who out of confusion has wrought a clear path, to Christ, to the Father, and to the Holy Ghost, we offer all praise now and forever. Amen. Amen. 